37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. Well, what's up, everybody? Happy Thanksgiving, and welcome to Pixelated Paranormal episode 255. I, of course, am Sean, and with me is my other half, Presto. What's up, all you cool ghosts and goblins, you ghouls and ghoulettes, you crocodiles and crocodingos and skeletors and skeletons? I don't know what the other one would be for that, but wherever the fuck you want to be, we're happy to have you here. Thanks for listening. Well, first and foremost, buddy, um, happy Thanksgiving. What are you drinking today? I noticed you're uh, you're partaking along with me here. Yeah, I don't know how to say it, but it's German, and it's a Pilsner, uh, Worcestersteiner, Worcestiner. I don't know. It's fucking delicious is what it is. So There you go. There you go. I'm working on a Weldworks Fudgy Grams Graham Cracker Stout. Mm, yeah, and I'll tell you uh, another, um, I was talking to my cousin the other day, and he was like, I don't, I don't like spicy stuff, and yeah, uh, it burns my tongue. But Smirnoff has that tamarind-flavored spicy vodka, mm-hmm. and it is fucking amazing. So two shots of that, and then top it off with watermelon, major melon, Mountain Dew. Oh, oh, I've you gained got a few pounds. A white trash margarita. Yeah, gained a few <laughs> pounds. Have you now? <laughs> yeah. They might make that major melon in a zero sugar. You never know. Yeah, it doesn't taste the same. Ah, man. Your boy's trying to get back in shape, so I've been switching over all my uh, pop to zero sugar. Trying to get that hourglass figure back. Because right now, I kind of look like a melted popsicle. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, shattered my wrist and gained like 30 pounds because all I could do is sit on a couch and, you know, eat, drink, and shit. Well, that's called comfort eating, buddy. You were um, self-loving. Practicing yeah. some self-care. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's all you could do. Well, speaking of beer, I just was reading earlier about a CO2 shortage across the U.S., which has impacted a ton of beer breweries. So that's why you might be noticing some of the beer prices going up and then production going down and slowing a little bit. So I thought mm. that was interesting. Yeah, that, that hits home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It certainly does. It certainly does. Well, on this episode, uh, this is not, by the title, um, the part two of our terrifying tales of Tanzania, but instead, uh, due to unforeseen circumstance, circumstances, circumcisions, um, haha, we were not able to record that episode this week, but don't fear because Preston and I realized dropping an episode on Thanksgiving would allow you something fun to listen to in case you're driving cross-country to, you know, your Aunt Jean's house, or your Uncle Gary's house, or your your Nana's house, or whatever. You know, maybe your Uncle Jerry's talking politics at the dinner table, and yeah, you just want to shut Uncle him. Uncle Jerry. Yeah, you want to shut him the fuck up because you're trying yeah. to enjoy your turkey dinner. Go ahead, play this. Fuck you, Uncle Jerry. <laughs> fuck you, Uncle Jerry, and your politics. No, but, you know, we thought about dropping an episode with a couple fun topics you could chat about around the Thanksgiving dinner table so you wouldn't have to listen to Jerry drone on and on and on about politics and conspiracy theories. So we've compiled together three interesting news stories from the headlines over the last few weeks. 
Uh, the first one starting off very innocent, very fun. Uh, the second one kind of ramps up to the bizarre and the unusual. And the third one, uh, we have to probably drop some kind of warning because it is a bit graphic and a little gruesome. So, you know, judge accordingly and you can cherry pick from these as you wish. But uh, first up, Preston, we got good news for the fans of the Goonies. The old Victorian home featured in the film as Mikey and Bran's house is for sale in Astoria, Oregon. For a fucking fuck ton of money that nobody in their right mind can afford. <laughs> it is a recession, yeah. Yes, the house is going on the market for a mere $1.7 million. And they say, we have currently just a few interested parties. It seems as though everybody's intention is to be able to open it up to the public for a little bit more to have access. Now, in 1896, this home had a sweeping view of the Columbia River flowing into the Pacific Ocean, and it's now being listed for the asking price of $1.7 million on Zillow, where it's described as fully loaded with history, nostalgia, and iconic levels of fame. Now, since the movie hit theaters back in 1985, fans have flocked to the home in northwestern Oregon's historic port of Astoria, especially during June 7th, as the town celebrates National Goonies Day, where it's reported that thousands of fans take a peek at this beloved set piece. But oddly enough, somebody actually lives there currently, a woman by the name of Sandy Preston. Oh, She's known yeah. to have a... Yeah, yeah. Sounds like a girl about your height. The current owner is said to be largely welcoming to visitors, knowing how important the house is to tons of fans, but she's lived in the house full-time, and the constant crowds have become a strain that prompted her at times to put up close signs and close fences saying no trespassing. After the film's 30th anniversary drew an estimated 1,500 visitors daily back in 2015, she started posting signs to prohibit tourists from walking up to the property. While the owner of the location from the Goonies is a fan of the movie and enjoys chatting with visitors making the trek to Astoria, you can't help but not blame her for wanting you to get off of her lawn. Yeah. She also, I don't know if that article says it or not, but like it got to the point to where for a couple of years, like she would have like daily tours where people could like come in, but then mm -hmm. they were like cutting out pieces of the wallpaper to take it home as like memorabilia. Yeah. And it's like, dude, I'm a fan of the movie. I love that movie. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a movie of my childhood, but uh, I'm not going to go into somebody's fucking house that they're living in and be like, memorabilia and <laughs> slice a piece of wallpaper <laughs> off the wall. Like right. this woman has, this woman has to like live there. And, like, you know, there, she was talking about having to put up, like, uh, you know, thick, heavy drapes because, like, people at all times are, like, using binoculars and trying to, like, oh, I can see the house. And, like, stop being fucking creepers, okay? Do a drive-by, <laughs> get your moment of, there's the Goonies house, and move the fuck on. There you go. And that's why I say that house is not worth millions of dollars. Like, 250000 <laughs> for the headache, you got yourself a deal. A million, <laughs> go fuck yourself. <laughs> Right. Well, it seems like a lot of people who are interested in buying it have voiced how they wouldn't make it necessarily their actual residence, but instead find a way to preserve it. That way it's still accessible to fans. And of course, you know, the iconic set piece could live on. 
Well, we're not quite done with real estate news yet because, Preston, it seems as though even stranger houses have been recently listed for sale to potential home buyers. The iconic two-story Victorian manor used as Victor Creel's haunted house, as well as Vecna's upside-down mindscape from the fourth season of Stranger Things, has also been listed for $2.2 million. Now, the Creel family's haunted home is not actually... Also, go fuck yourself. (laughs) <laughs> Fair. <Yeah. laughs> the Creel uh, because of the stained glass windows, I'd give you a solid 350. <laughs> Preston Lowball Gilland. Yeah. Uh, who am Let I me kidding? tell you I'd what it's really worth. Let me tell you what it's really worth. It's haunted, probably, <laughs> I'm assuming. Uh, you're going to have a fuck ton of people flocking to it. Mm-hmm. So the only like real value in that house is the beautiful stained glass window. So for the pain in the ass of the amount of people and bullshit, possibly possession that I'm going to have to put up with, mm-hmm. I think 350 fair offer. Fair I'm offer, man. Yeah, I saw pictures of the inside. It's actually very, very pretty. Well, the Creel family's haunted home is not actually located in Indiana, but instead it is in a town called Rome in the great U.S. state of Georgia. That's that's another pet peeve like mm-hmm. that I have. <clears throat> okay, so <clears throat> we live in uh, America, right? Mm-hmm. And we got to come up with like all these names for like cities and towns and whatever it is. Mm. Are we that fucking lazy that we're just like, well, I mean, Jerry, what do you think this town and vibes like? What do you feel? You feel European? Do you feel sassy? Uh, yeah, I think we should name it Paris. I think we should name it Rome. Get the, <laughs> come on. Be fucking original, okay? Yep. Come up with something like, I don't know, like, you know, Plunkerville, you know, Jerry's, <laughs> Jerry Knobville, like something. Like, Cal fucking obviously, if I, if, I, if I go to Athens, Georgia, I'm not getting a Greek vibe. Like, Paris fucking Kansas. Are yeah. you kidding me? Yeah. Good job, whoever named that town. Look over there, Terry. That cow taking a piss reminds me of a fountain in Rome. Yeah. Yeah, fuck. You ever seen a cow take a leak? It is horrifying. The first time I saw it, I thought it was sick and it actually sprung a leak. Yeah, have you seen a cow give birth? That's fucking horrifying. (sighs) You win. (laughs) I concede. Yeah. Well, Why does it got of... bubblegum coming out of its ass, Dad? <laughs> right. It's not, oh, it's Jesus, not bubblegum. That's a sack. <laughs> well, and there's a baby per- calf in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect segue, my friend. Story number two. Speaking of things that are truly strange, this next story was sent in to us from our newly wedded buddy, Adam. And this story originally broke back on November 17th. Dozens of sheep have been eerily walking around in a near-perfect circle for 12 days straight in northern China's Inner Mongolia region. The bizarre behavior captured on surveillance video shows a large flock continuously marching clockwise in a nearly perfectly formed circle on a farm. The surveillance footage of this bizarre event shows that some of the sheep can be seen watching from the side as they stand outside the rotation while others at times can be seen standing motionless in the center. The video of the strange scene was tweeted Wednesday by Chinese state-run outlet called People Daily, 
which reported the sheep are in perfectly good health and the cause of the behavior still remains a mystery. Now, the sheep owner identified as Miss Mio claimed that the spectacle began a few days before when just a few sheep began walking in a circular motion. Next thing she knew, the entire flock had joined in. But even stranger is that there are almost 34 sheep pens in the farm, but only the sheep in the one pen, number 13, have decided to start acting in this bizarre behavior. They were on the move since November 4th, as of when this story original broke. It's unclear if they stopped to eat or drink. Some scientists have speculated that the unusual behavior could even be something called listeriosis, also known as circling disease, which is caused by a bacterium. Experts have gone on to say the illness is usually transmitted through contaminated food or soil and also animal feces that generates subsequent conditions that cause death in the infected animals. So this could possibly be some kind of weird psychosis. Bacteria Listeria monocytogens cause meningocephalitis, <laughs> the damage is cranial nerves in the brain, resulting in facial paralysis, head tilting, loss of sensation, and also depression. Initially, affected animals are anorectic, depressed, and disoriented. They may propel themselves into corners, lean against stationary objects, or even circle towards the affected side. So it's kind of sad. It's almost like they have a bit of a stroke or facial yeah. paralysis, and their head tilts, and they just kind of walk in that general uh, direction. I don't know if you could hear me or not, but I was using my gimp hand to clap for you on that pronunciation that you just oh. butchered. You know, <laughs> I didn't. You did better it. than I could do, so that's why <laughs> I clapped. I meant to have Shayla pronounce it for me so I could spell it out phonetically, and I forgot. <laughs> and you really <laughs> fucked it up, yeah. Oh, boy, over a barrel did I. Yeah. I, uh, uh, I, man, I was leaning in a totally different direction. Uh-huh. Um, because, you know, we talked about the last episode in, in China. They, you know, they call them dragon lines. We call them ley lines over here. Mm -hmm. And the magnetic poles, you know, every so often shift. Yeah. And um, that throws off, if you look at uh, other birds and animals, um, if their internal magnetic compass gets thrown off, they'll do weird things like try to find new north and like circle it. Uh, birds will have like weird uh, flight patterns. But then mm -hmm. I was going like full-blown conspiracy, end of the world, you know, the poles are shifting, cataclysm, and then you fucking like science, it's... Mm -hmm. You know, mingalingus, cotolatus, meningitis, flocculolaga, whatever you said. And then I'm like, fuck, that just <laughs> derailed me. Yeah, move over Pizzagate. We did our research this time. Yeah. <laughs> Listeriosis outbreaks typically occur as a result of spoiled or low-quality silage. And sadly, in sheep and goats, however, death usually occurs within 24 to 48 hours after symptoms are observed. But, like I just said 30 seconds ago, I did my research, guys. So, an update for all you listeners and Adam. A professor is it actually research or is it bullet points? Like, which, uh, No, I Googled. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I Googled and read three different articles. So, I mean, yeah, it's more than some people yeah. that have held our presidency have done. Um, now... <laughs> 
Now, an update for Adam and our dear listeners. A professor at the Department of Agriculture at Harperty University in Gloucester, England, by the name of Matt Bell, commented during a recent interview that this is a natural behavior with sheep for them to repeatedly march into formation simply due to frustration about being locked up in a pen or a space that is too small for too long of a period. And due to their social behaviors of flock mentality, it takes just a few irritated sheep to start pacing in a circle before they all start to follow each other to protect the group from predators or danger. So basically, they're just joining in doing what their friends are doing, and there is no other explanation for it. Fuck you, Jerry. We're tired of this pen, so we're going to march in a goddamn circle till you let us out. Come on! Yeah, fucking Uncle Jerry and his politics and his fucking tiny sheep pens. <laughs> I tell you. So, yeah, I don't know. A little bit of A, a little bit of B. Maybe a little bit of, you know, bacteria kind of similar to Mad Cow. Uh, maybe just pissed off, tired sheep, you know? Yeah. Kind of like but, the zombie deer outbreak we had this year. <clears throat> yeah, not too long ago. Yeah. Oh, that was fucking freaky, too. Well, um, yeah. I'll include a picture of these deer in the uh, Instagram post, Preston and listeners. You guys can all jump online and Google this. You can catch some surveillance footage. It's pretty weird. Without knowing the yeah. story behind it, you just see these sheep just slowly walking in a circle, and I'm just waiting for like a UFO to fly over and a spotlight to come down and just suck them all up. Or that uh, satanic movie that came out this year entitled Lamb. Oh, did you watch Lamb? I'm not. I'm like... I keep wanting to buy it on Voodoo uh-huh. and like pull the trigger, but I'm like, uh, it's it's I... worth a watch. It's a slow burn. It's really fucking weird. Yeah, um, yeah I enjoyed it. Another A twenty A twenty four film. So you know, like what the fuck did I just get myself into? <laughs> I mean, it's got it's... anything. Anything's got to be better than Jeepers Creepers Reborn. So, uh... <laughs> Yeah, I was almost going to hit play on that. And then you're just like, it's fucking dog shit. And I thought, I guess I'll watch Terrifier 2 instead. <laughs> like, okay, I I realize, like, I'm sometimes, like, I'm a hard critic on, like, horror films. Mm-hmm. Because I've been watching them, like, for so long. And so now, like, the kids are getting into horror films as well. And I'm like, you know, maybe... Maybe I'm just being overcritical. Maybe I'm being I'm pulling a Steve, and I'm just being overly critical of the, of this movie. And then, um, you know, my my daughter watched it, and she was just like, "Why did you buy that? Like, that was just dumb." And then, as we were sitting in the doctor's office today with Blake, uh, we were joking around with him, and he's like, "Dad." That Jeepers Creeper Reborn just totally sucked. Like that was the <laughs> dumbest movie. I can't believe you bought that. And I'm like, look, they can't all be winners, kids. And then I didn't feel so bad that I just talked trash because you know if my kids who will watch anything horror and love it were just like this is complete dog shit, then I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, it's it's a bad movie. So have they seen the original? Oh yeah, did they even like that crappy third one that was like mm. direct video? Mm-hmm. Um, they were like that would get an A plus compared to Jeepers Creepers Reborn. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, oh no. that's that put it in perspective right there, kids. Yeah, there you go. I mean, from the mouth of babes, from their uh, mouths to yeah. God's ears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, while we're at it, real quick, I checked out uh, Terrifier Two. It's a hell of a good time. 
Art the Clown, I think, is a phenomenal new horror um, antagonist. He's a lot of fun. Uh, Barbarian's pretty solid. That one's on HBO right now to watch. And I watched one other one. Oh, yeah, I watched The Fly Part 2, sequel to the 1985 Jeff Goldblum. Solid movie, worth a watch. Yeah. Hey, everybody, real quick, I just wanted to apologize. I'm doing the edit, and I just now realized that Luna, uh, my Shih Tzu, was asleep in her bed behind me while I was recording, and she was snoring for pretty much the entire second half of this episode. So I just want to drop in real quick and say, ah, super sorry about that, guys. I know it's kind of distracting, and uh, yeah, I don't have any way to take it out and post. So unfortunately, uh, there's going to be a little bit of background noise, and I think she's done it in a few episodes in the past. But anyway, guys, super sorry about that. I hope it's not too distracting. And um, yeah, anyway, back to the good stuff. Well, now for our main story of the episode. Presto, last year's Thanksgiving special, we did a cannibal special. I don't know if you remember too much about that. Mm-hmm. But we've had... <laughs> well, good. We've also had a lot of uh, stories on this show that have to do with severed body parts, right? Pickled, you know, pickled toes. Yeah, buddy, you got it. There was also that guy that... Made tacos out of his leg. Yeah, exactly, yeah. The guy yeah. who had to have his leg amputated due to some medical issues who then cooked up the leg meat taco style and ethically and consentingly served it to his friends. Now, a little refresher on that one here. Um, the unnamed man who went by the name Incredibly Shiny Shart posted gruesome photos along with snaps of the supposed leg meat tacos. He cooked it up with onions and peppers, and his friends and he all answered their long-running joke question, if you could try human flesh, would you? And of course, they ate the um, freshly prepared chunk of leg meat, and they all said it wasn't too terribly bad. And of course, we had the notorious sour toe cocktail, the story we shared about a shot of alcohol containing a dehydrated human toe. Now, a quick refresher on that one, because again, this is a free bonus story to share at uh, Jerry's dinner table. This is a bizarre tradition at the downtown hotel's Sourdough Saloon in Dawson City, Yukon Territory. The cocktail craze kicked off all the way back in 1973, after a riverboat captain, Dick Stevenson, found a perfectly preserved toe inside an abandoned Yukon cabin. Now, the toe was rumored to be um, that of a 1920s-era bootlegger named Louis Linkton. According to the local legend, Linkton's brother amputated the toe with an axe. Then the severed digit had froze while the two were on the lamb running from the law. And thus being preserved in a bottle of alcohol while they were hiding out in a cabin, it was then perfectly preserved. Well, they took the toe to the saloon, and they decided they would start the tradition of having an 80-proof liquor made from Canadian whiskey and honey mixed into a shot where they would drop the toe into the shot glass, and then you could earn your name on the Wall of Fame if you took a sour toe cocktail. The mm. rules are simple, folks. You can drink it fast, you can drink it slow, but your lips must touch the toe. Mm. Well, what's interesting about this is I found a small update. 
the toe has been repeatedly stolen from the bar. So you're not getting the shot with the original severed toe. What the fuck? They just find like another donor. They like go down to the local morgue and be like, eh, give me that one. Cut that one off. Yeah. Y'all got any of them, uh, you know, frozen toes? Yeah. No, apparently not too long ago, back in 2019, a guy named Nick Griffiths lost his big toe due to, you guessed it, frostbite in February of 2019, and thus was able to give it a second life as the replacement toe for the morbid cocktail. Back in June 2019, the British man donated his detached digit to the famous bar in Canada which for decades now has served the tradition of the whiskey shot containing the severed human toe. The legendary drink is $5, and it's been served for almost 50 years. Mm. The titular toe of the sour toe cocktail is much sought after and has frequently been stolen, sometimes being returned, other times disappearing for good. So it sounds like they've actually replaced the toe several times over the last half century. Would you take the shot? Would you do it? Yeah, my, my stance has not changed, man. I would definitely try it. As long so, as I don't, I don't care how morbid it is, if you can tell me, hey, you can do this, it's fucking weird. It's going to taste funny, but it's not going to kill you. I'll try it. Okay, so it's not going to kill you. Let's let's up it one notch and, uh, I mean, use your imagination. And it's the pickled penis shot. And uh, they put a, you know, a frozen wanger in there. Drink it fast, drink it slow, but your lips got to touch the pickled penis. Would you do First it? First you want to kill me, now you want to kiss me? Blow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, see, that's a little different, man, because that wanger could have contained an STD or STI, I think we call them now. I don't know about that. That's a little different for me. Um, I'd try it. What the fuck? <laughs> You know, uh, I mean, yeah, I think the the cocky co- cocktail might go down. I, so here are my thoughts on it. So you got to think that that uh, the the flaccid preserved wanger. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to be pretty small and shriveled. Whereas like a toe still has like a bone and shit in it, and it's probably got mm-hmm. like a weird gnarly toenail on it. So just aesthetically, it's kind of like you know certain foods like when you eat them, like it's not the fact that. It's the food itself, like certain bugs. Mm-hmm. Like uh, there's that, I can't think of the name of the bug, that it's like a, a worm and you go in Vietnam and they put fish oil on it and it's got a little pincher head. So, but it's still alive and you mm-hmm. got to pick it up. It's a texture thing. Like you start adding all the different textures of a toe, like that would get to me more than if you're just like, I don't know, here's like a, you know, a pickled preserved dick. It's not a lot of textures to it. I could probably do it real quick. So. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is the uh, perfect time for you to pause the episode and make a mental note. <laughs> Ask Uncle Jerry if he would take a shot of liquor that had a severed penis in it. Yeah. And then laugh and laugh as you walk off to of your car before dessert is even served. <laughs> so what's interesting here in the story about the Sour Toe uh, cocktail update is... The guy who donated the most recent toe, Mr. Nick Griffiths, apparently he was an ultra marathon runner who had to lose a toe due to frostbite. He had recently saw a toe wanted poster that was in the hotel and decided, what the fuck? I'll get this thing removed uh, medically. And he sent the specimen in. 
and they said, we have been without a toe for some time now, and his generous tonation will help ensure the tradition continues. Also over the moon about the fresh tonation was Terry the Toe Master Lee, the guy who was in charge of preserving the toes properly to use in the drink. He quickly got to work on Griffith's digit, making it garnish ready. He says it actually takes six weeks to mummify a new toe on rock salt before it's ready to serve in the famous cocktail. And then they reunited Nick with his toe to actually be the first person to ceremoniously welcome in the new toe. That's right, this guy got to take the shot with his own severed toe. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Well, that's not the third story, folks. That's just the appetizers. So move over the deviled eggs and get ready for the main course, shall we? A 38-year-old nurse in western Wisconsin has been charged with two felony counts of elder abuse for allegedly amputating a hospice patient's foot without a doctor's order or the patient's consent. Now, before we go any farther, I would like to just put out a warning. The story is kind of graphic, and it may upset some people. So, with that being said, uh, we don't condone the amputation of anybody's foot, young or old, without consent and, you know, medical training and, you know, sterile tools and all that. So don't fucking do it. The terrifying event took place back on May 27th of this year, 2022, at Spring Valley Health and Rehab Center where a 62-year-old male, whose name has been withheld, was being treated by hospice care workers from St. Croix County after receiving injuries from a fall he took back in his own home. Now, the victim had actually been admitted to Spring Valley Facility two months earlier back in March, after he suffered a fall in his home, where he then laid on the floor for an undisclosed amount of time. Now, unfortunately, the temperature outside was extremely cold, and the heat in his home was not yet turned on. So, unfortunately, due to the lengthy amount of time he laid on the floor undiscovered, it actually got so cold in his house, the tissue on his foot became necrotic and then died from frostbite. Once he got admitted to the Spring Valley facility, the wounds on his feet were so severe that staff said his foot was actually only being held onto his leg by one or two tendons and roughly two inches of skin. But on the morning of May 27th, a nurse who had changed his foot bandages said the victim was still able to wiggle his toes. So for two months being in the hospital, he was still able to move his toes even though he had such severe trauma. All right, everybody's still up to speed so far? All right, well now enter the villain of the piece, 38-year-old nurse Mary K. Brown a nurse who was working at Spring Valley Health and Rehab Center, but was not part of the hospice staff from St. Croix County who was treating the victim. Nurse Brown knew of the patient and his severe injuries, and hospital staff reported that she began to take a bizarre interest in his case, even to the point of obsession over the fact that his foot was nearly detached. Soon she began to make comments about how they should just go ahead and remove the foot altogether via amputation. Uh, so she went on to make a few comments to some doctors, and they all said, no, we're not yet to the point of treatment. We should make the call to remove the foot. And a few days go by, and the obsession just continues to deepen. So then on the day of May 27th, 
Nurse Brown told two other nurses that she was going to go ahead and cut the victim's foot off for comfort, since it's just barely hanging on anyway. But the two other nurses she worked with said, no, leave the foot attached. No doctor's order has been given, thus we can't make that call. Well, a few hours go by, and then Nurse Brown, accompanied by two other certified nurses' assistants, went into the patient's room to change the bandages on his foot. So while Nurse Brown and one of the two CNAs went down to the patient's foot to begin changing the bandages, the second CNA walked up to the patient's side, took the patient's hand, and held it in order to comfort him during the discomfort of changing the bandages. Suddenly, the patient clenched the CNA's hand and began to moan and gasp. And to both the CNA's and the patient's horror, rather than simply changing the bandages, Brown had cut the victim's tendon, which, was completely, which then completely amputated the patient's foot. Brown then placed the severed foot in a red biohazard bag and placed it in a freezer, saying that, the doctor would have probably decided to amputate the foot anyway later on that day. Well, Presto, here's where shit gets good. One of the nursing assistants that reported to the police the event said that Brown kept trying to persuade her to then retrieve the foot from the freezer for her so she could take it home and preserve it. Because her family owned a local taxidermy shop and she thought it'd be fun to taxidermy the severed foot to taxidermy the severed foot and preserve it, mount it, and put it on a display. And you know what, presto? She was going to put a cute little sign next to the severed preserved foot that said, Don't forget to wear your boots, kids! What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Get a fucking another hobby. Jesus Christ. Yeah, she then told colleagues she wanted to preserve and display the foot at her family's taxidermy shop. Kevin Larson, the administrator and CEO of Spring Valley Senior Living and Healthcare Campus, immediately was made aware of the situation. However, the center's director of nursing was not told until two days later, when one of the nursing assistants was so distraught about the incident she finally called her. Brown had told an investigator later the victim didn't ask her to remove the foot, which she described as mummy feet, but she did it to make sure the quality of life would become better. She acknowledged it was outside her scope of practice and that she didn't have any authorization to move the victim's foot from any other higher medical personnel. Larson went on to say that there were a lot of missing entries in regard to the patient's medical chart, including the foot amputation order. He said the best practice should have been for Brown to get an order from a doctor to remove the foot. And he believes due to the severity of the injury, a hospice doctor caring for the victim would have probably given the order, but officially they never gave out the order, thus she should not have removed the foot. He says, we have and will continue to fully cooperate with the investigation into this matter. And Mary Kay Brown, 38, is scheduled to appear in court on December 6th of this year. So in about a week from now, folks. Mm. And maybe uh, <clears throat> double-check that turkey leg that you're munching down on. <laughs> it could be you your know. buddy's leg. It could be a toe. Yeah. It could be a... You never know, folks. You know, I'm thinking the hospital really owes this guy, and uh, maybe he should get, like, a state-of-the-art, you know, um, 
Oh God, what was that uh, South African guy, Oscar Oscar Pastorius, that mm-hmm. uh, was an amputee? Um, you know, he had those carbon fiber doohickey mabobbers, and uh, I think the guy deserves one of those. You know, free of charge. Like, let's... sorry that uh, your foot that was half hanging on, and you know, probably had. Uh, you know, decay growing in it, uh, got chopped off accidentally, like whoops. Uh, but here's like a, you know, $2 million state of the art leg to make up for Jerry. Don't well, sue us. the best they can do is a state of the art coffin because sadly the patient did pass away. Although they said it was not directly related to the foot amputation. Yeah, they say like how he died. Like Mr. Smith uh, died of shock, uh, but it wasn't uh, wasn't because uh, we accidentally amputated his foot. No, they didn't say directly how he died. All I can find is that supposedly it was not in relation to the amputation. Hey, you know a bunch of people have died this week. Like uh, s- supposedly Simon Cow died. <laughs> Fact check, no, he did not die. Simon Cowell is alive and well as of today, November 23rd, 2022. Huh. I I, I don't know. I haven't Google verified it. Uh, (laughs) Jason Frank, the Green Ranger, died? Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, Yeah, that was a a bummer. And then uh, somebody else died. I don't know. Mom's, uh, you know, then... Her YouTubeness and discovering YouTube uh, has been like coming across like you know eight minute YouTube videos of like sad news and shit, and she's like, "Oh my god!" I'm just like, "Stop, stop, stop searching this shit up right yeah, now." Mom. What a buzzkill, mom. Yeah. Well, that thus concludes our exciting Thanksgiving 2022 episode. We hope you enjoyed it. I hope that you left a little more enlightened and better prepared for your holiday family dinners. If you're on the social medias, please check us out on Instagram at PXL Paranormal. If you're on Facebook, give us a follow there at The Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. Please, if you are following the new feed, subscribe, rate, and review us if you could. Uh, we got the old five-star back on Spotify. we got a five-star going on Apple Podcasts, but we certainly would love to get some more ratings. So if you don't mind, please give us a rating and review Presto, where are we at on the old YouTubers? We gained one. 223, baby. <laughs> Slow and steady wins the race, baby. Yeah. Hell and look, yeah. guys, if you need a beard, if you want a beard, um, you know, maybe pickling your dehydrated beard and putting it in a shot of whiskey is not your thing. It's not my thing, but I tell you, something you can do that's great for your beard is lather it up with Big Dobbs Beard Bomb. So go over to BigDobsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order. Pick yourself up some scents like Bay Rum, Fresh, Citrus, Mint, Classic, Sweet Tobacco. Classic Bay Rum, like I'm always on the fence. Like Those are kind of like my go-to. Get it all, get it at Dobbs. There you go. I am a classic man along with some sweet tobacco. Summertime, I like to rock and roll with some Bay Rum. Yeah. You fucking swaggy bastard. (laughs) Listen, I'm a fancy boy that knows what he likes. Yeah. Like to smell good. And if you're in the Wichita area, please stop by and see our dear friend Leslie and the rest of the gang at CD Trade Post Pawnee and Seneca. 
All right. On behalf of Big Steven, we'd like to say cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us that would love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the Paranormal Highway. The cast at Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the Paranormal Highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and 